He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? This is the Lakers Lounge, as I am uh, joined by a guest. That guest, in this case, taken with zero context whatsoever, um, was asking before we went live why I wasn't shirtless for this episode. Um, that is Raj Shapalu of of All Access Lakers, who apparently prefers me sans shirt. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I think we should add context to that. I don't want that that clip in some <laughs> some strange way. <laughs> Should definitely add context to that. I wanted I wanted Anthony uh, dressed up in his Dylan Brooks attire. That's funny. It gives me some nostalgia, Anthony, because like we were doing this after every playoff game, and mm-hmm. it feels like this is now what like the fourth or fifth time I've come on after we've just beat Dylan Brooks. So it's nice. I like this. I it like is. This it tradition. is funny. It is like it's like the Lakers beat Dylan Brooks. I'm like I gotta talk to Raj. I gotta talk to Raj. And then Raj is like I have to, I, I have to see him with that tinfoil chain thing that he did that one time. It was funny is after I did that and what Raj is, is um, referring to, maybe I'll have to find a picture of it, but um, what Raj is referring to is after, after Dylan Brooks, remember he, he had that little like scrum thing where mm-hmm. they asked him like, do you regret poking the bear? And he was like, no, I poke bears. Right? Um, right. And he was wearing like this big, like, plaid flannel jacket thing mm-hmm. and he had a huge chain he was wearing sunglasses so i replicated that to the the best extent that i could um after the lakers knocked him out and lebron uh didn't give him the 40 piece but did give him like 39 i think um and yeah. the lakers lakers beat the the grizzlies i think by 40 in that last game yeah they um, beat the brakes off him and so, yeah, ever since then, I have, uh, you know, apparently when the Lakers beat Dylan Brooks, I, I, I fire off the, the raw signal and, and we have yes. to talk about about this. And, and, uh, and yeah, here we are. But uh, today on the show, we are going to be talking about uh, the Lakers rotation at, with the hopefully soon return of Jared Vanderbilt. I think we should be getting some information on that. Um, in the next few days, I think would be my guess yeah. as far as when we'll get an update on that. Um, I'm not going to give too, too much away, but I am hearing some whispers that there's some optimism that he might be back as soon as this week. Maybe. Um, oh, that that's exciting. Yeah. I went down a Vanderbilt rabbit hole this weekend, Anthony, which is, mm. uh, it couldn't have nice. been that deep, right? His, his bag is, is not very deep. So it was like, it, it was like more of like a, a, a Vanderbilt, puddle right like you just <laughs> you looked in there's like an indentation on on the ground and you're like oh look at that how about that yeah but what'd you true. find what'd you find in this rabbit hole oh yeah so i went back and watched because obviously in the preseason he only played one half i believe so i was going back and watching just his games against dallas um he had a bunch of like rebounds and he beat we had some wins anthony like we won off of his offensive rebounding right and i think just the gap between cam reddish and like our second best defender had me just you know wanting Vanderbilt back on this team and going back and watching, we forget like how much energy and motor and just enthusiasm he plays with. So went back and watched that. It was nice. You know, I uh, encourage Laker fans to go back and do the same. 
Um, I think people forget hashtag people forget just how fun and uh, exciting a player Vanderbilt is. The guy who got $15 million, Anthony, who can't shoot, doesn't finish well. You know how good you got to be at the other things to get paid that when you're, you know, when you're not an offensive threat. Like if you yeah. can't shoot, don't you're not a playmaker. You don't finish well at the rim. You must be damn good at everything else. And Jared Vanderbilt is so it's it's nice. And I'm glad you're saying that uh, you're hearing he's he's coming back soon. Uh, he is still out, as um, Andre is pointing out. He is still, uh, you know, considered out sure. for the next game. Um, but we are waiting an update, and and again, there is some optimism that I'm hearing that it'll be a good update next time. Uh, not the case for for Gabe. I almost called him Kendrick Nunn, um, but Gabe Vincent is is still out for for the foreseeable future. But um, yeah, we are going to talk about uh, what that might mean for the rotation. Vanderbilt coming back. Um, I want to talk about D'Angelo Russell because I found a combination of tweets hilarious today um, where Darius <laughs> Soriano wrote about the positive aspect of D'Angelo Russell's game and then a uh, friend of the show, friend of this uh, audience, Matt Moore, had his uh, information that he felt needed to be out there about D'Angelo Russell. I think both. Um, bits of information are important to um, hold in their own regard. Sure. Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about uh, that. And we're in this like weird spot. And I, and, and I, I want to dedicate, you know, enough space to, to really kind of roam around on this topic. But we're in this unique spot or weird spot here with the Lakers offense where I don't think that they are, you know, applying bad process here. I don't think what we're watching is bad process per se. It is producing decent looks. It's just that the results are just not there, you know, on those decent looks. So um, we're going to have a conversation as, as, as far as whether that is a, a process that we think should continue um, and, and how long we should, uh, you know, watch the Lakers stick with that process. So, Plenty of stuff to come uh, to come through or get through here in this episode. A reminder that this episode is brought to you here by Sleeper and the Sleeper app. Uh, it is a, a fantasy sports app that I currently use and enjoy using. Use that promo code LA Lounge to get up to a hundred bucks back in a deposit match uh, from Sleeper. Uh, terms and conditions apply. Check out all that stuff. More on them. Here in a little bit, but yeah, let's start with uh, let's start with Jared Vanderbilt because I like the point that you made. In order to be as as ineffective as he can be offensively, and still get paid the way that he did, and still be as impactful as he was in stretches, especially in the regular season, I thought in the postseason there was like a <clears throat> it was a, it was a pretty uh, standard script I thought with him, where at the beginning of the series he was you know, pretty effective there. And then teams realized, oh, we can actually play him off of the court um, because we don't have to guard him offensively and eventually saw that kind of come to fruition. But that still doesn't mean that he isn't an incredible regular season player, which I think he is because of the amount of energy that he plays with. And, and you know, getting him back helps this Lakers team that I thought I have thought to this point has really been lacking in terms of physicality and athleticism and and frankly give a bleep and those are yeah. things that like jared vanderbilt has in spades 
that's what that's why he gets paid. It, it's funny you uh you brought up Gabe Vincent. I'm always shocked, Anthony. Like they pan to the bench, and I'm obviously really looking forward to Jared Vanderbilt's return. But they always pan to Gabe Vincent. I was like, oh wow, Gabe Vincent's on this team. You know, what I mean? like I have to yeah. I have to remind myself that Gabe Gabe Vincent is there. But no, I think this team really misses you know Vando's defense and energy and just infectious play. Our slow starts, Anthony. I thought you know you mentioned that we have good process. I think so too. I think it's mixed process. We're going through like this developmental change of our offense from a like four out to to five out. But I think these slow starts, some of it has been contributed to just this lack of defensive, you know, enthusiasm and motor, right? And that's what to me Vanderbilt mm-hmm. really brings. He brings a motor that no one else really on this team has. Cam Reddish has just been like an awesome godsend. Like for I'm not sure where we'd be if he wasn't on the team. But you just look at it. If you go after Cam Reddish, Gabe is hurt. So like our second best like point of attack defensive guy is Torian or you know who was absolutely terrible last night um offensively and defensively and then that goes to like Austin then you get to D'Lo and like you get it gets into really dangerous territory and that's where I think Vando comes in and I think the playoffs where he got played off the floor I thought that got exaggerated just a little bit a lot of that to me coincided with Rui's ascension right it was more that I thought Rui started playing really well, especially in the Memphis series. That's where Rui was closing games, and they were having, obviously, Vando off the floor. And then in Denver, I thought that was more that D'Angelo Russell was just not a threat offensively, and it kind of uh, really pushed Vando's limitations to the forefront because now you have two guys that they're not guarding. Um, but I, I'm really excited for him to come back. I just think, like, his rebounding – last night was one of our better defensive rebounding games. A lot of that, to me, was LeBron being super engaged – tapping out basketballs, but that's where Bando comes in. He's an elite offensive rebounder. He's an elite guy who can ball pressure that you can throw on wings and guards. And he's a really good team help defender. And that's stuff this team, these are the holes that like this team is missing. And he fills to where like, I don't know where Gabe Vincent comes and fills, but like to me, Bando's uh, absence has been really felt. And I'm, I'm just excited. And I think people are concerned about the offense, but a Cam Reddish, Jared Vanderbilt kind of defensive wing combo that you can throw at opposite you know wing and scoring um threats i'm really hyped for that i want to see those two play together and uh see if it works if cam's offense is real i think you can really put those two guys out together next to anthony davis and have a really um terrorizing defensive front line yeah i i also really like the idea because like right now and we're going to talk a little bit about d'angelo russell's uh numbers here but it Mm -hmm. is kind of staggering how negatively and negatively impactful Russell has been defensively, right? In terms of net rating, yeah. it's not perfect, right? But I really kind of think that a lot of that has to do with, you know, when he goes out, Cam Reddish is coming in and that's been their <laughs> best offensive perimeter player or defensive per- perimeter player. And so like, you know, normally your best uh, defensive perimeter players in that starting group, right? Normally that that player is is a part of that group. And, and I'm not saying, I mean, maybe, maybe uh, Vanderbilt starts right when he gets here. Prince certainly hasn't made the case for himself to start, right? Um, mm-hmm. But, but you know, I, I think when, what, what I would like to watch is, is to watch uh, Reddish and Vanderbilt actually mostly staggered. And then occasionally you really, you know, let the dogs loose and have like, you know, both of the, those guys out there and AD and LeBron and it doesn't even matter who the fifth, fifth guy is, right? It could be, <laughs> it could be Russell or it could be, um, it could be Reeves. 
And with those groups, right, just defend your ass off, get out in transition, and really just absolutely take a wrecking ball to whatever the other team is trying to do defensively. But, like, what I'm really excited by is right now the Lakers are having this issue where Reddish would go to the bench and there just isn't any perimeter pressure. And yeah. and it's allowing these teams to really get into a rhythm at, at, during those minutes. And, you know, with some in some cases, Reddish comes back in, the Lakers get their shit together defensively, and they kind of mess with that rhythm again. But a lot of times, like, and especially with modern offenses and with the way that teams shoot the three ball now, once a team gets into a rhythm, they are now in a rhythm. And that is something that you are going to have to contend with for the rest of the game. And I like the idea of Vanderbilt coming back and and you can stagger those guys and there would essentially be no point in the game where the other team's you know lead ball handler is ever particularly comfortable if i told you anthony that cam reddish will be playing 40 minutes a game well, <laughs> where would you think our season is you know what i mean like uh, and last night he played 39 minutes in the points where he was off the floor i was worried i was like we got to get I think like we were on playback live, and I think one of the things we were saying was we got to get Cam back in there, which is yeah. kind of an insane thing to say for defense, right? Which is, yeah, for defensive purposes. But I think that lineup, especially, and I, I agree with you uh, mostly that you know you would stagger both of them, and but I think what we have the ability to ability to do, and this is important just with the structure of our team, and this is involved also when Gabe Vincent is back. That's a lineup that can protect small guards, right? Like we have a lineup that's very similar. I remember like watching Portland when they used to have like. Dame and CJ, but then they would have like Nurkic and they would have no wing that can defend either. And they just have no protection to protect these guards. And I think like if you can play Gabe, and that those are lineups to me, Anthony, where you can play two small guards and just be huge up front. Um, You can have Vando, AD, maybe with Cam and like that can protect those type of guys. And I'm excited to see if they can do that. But Cam's been awesome. And I think that's where Jared Vanderbilt can come in. And those two guys, you can have one awesome point of attack defender on the floor at all times. And really quickly on the D low point, like I think it's similar to like uh, in the title years, right? Where, you know, Caruso would come in for the starting guard and his numbers were so good that it would just impact whoever he was coming in for. And his net rating would kind of burst and cam's net rating has been awesome. I think he's like a plus eight or plus nine so far um, was a plus again last night. I think I heard you mention it, that him and Torian Prince went on the opposite ends of the spectrum there. Despite and both he, starting is wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Torian just, man, one for, I don't know what it is. And is it just the lighting in like crypto? Is it like shooters? Torian's a good, like he's not some unknown player who hasn't, who's trying to like find his way in the league. Torian's a legit vet who just can't shoot. Um, All right. But, well, let's let's actually let's really quickly hit on the lighting thing because I do have a running theory on this. Um, okay. For for the most people listening to this are hardcore enough Lakers fans that they know that they basically light up uh, moneylaundering.com arena as like a boxing match, right? We have like this spotlight kind of situation on the main court, and then they really dim and immediately dim everything that's going on behind the scenes, right? Um, most other NBA arenas don't do that. And for the purpose of like the audience, it does make it look pretty freaking cool, right? It really does. But the for stage. the purpose, yeah, but for the purpose of playing basketball, you could see why it would screw up, you know, some people, right? And and screw with some some shooters. 
it is out of the ordinary as it is like, as again, I don't think any other team does that. And, and I think for, you know, there is never essentially a, a comfortable home court feel for the Lakers where in those games, it is out of the ordinary. And, and then you go on the road and you're playing in, you know, arenas that aren't your home arena. And that's going to be, those are away games. So I, I have kind of wondered if it is like that shooters just never feel particularly comfortable on the Lakers. The other thing too is, and, and I, a lot of this is going to sound like excuse making, but I, I, it's, I promise I mean it more as like an explanation. But one potential explanation here is that as soon as you start missing and you are expected to make shots, and mm. as soon as you start missing shots that are as open as guys on the LeBron James, Anthony Davis era Lakers have been, you hear it. Like, Lakers fans are loud and 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 we are ruthless and we do not have very much patience for guys who have one job and do not do it. And and I do kind of wonder if like once you have that one bad shooting game and you see your mentions and you kind of go back to it and and you know try to you know develop some confidence but every time you open your phone it's just like lakers fans i was making yeah. jfk jokes so i'm as guilty as anybody but like <laughs> but like you know i i do kind of wonder with like this confluence of all of these factors if that mm-hmm. is part of why um you know shooters come to la and forget how to shoot because at this point there are far too many people for us to just like not try to explain it not try to figure out what the hell is going on so my only pushback to that part of it, that would be true, Anthony, if road teams didn't come in and just shoot the lights out when they walk into our arena. Yeah. You know what I mean? I watched Matisse Thibel hit like five threes the other night. I watched Houston hit, I think, 50% of their threes. I think it's Brooks more hit leaning. six. He hit as many threes Dylan as Brooks. the Lakers made. <laughs> Dylan Brooks loves the lighting. He's like, don't change anything. Keep the, yeah. <laughs> keep the stage yeah, right. this way. <laughs> don't, don't change a thing. Um, And I think it's more the pressure thing. I, I remember Rui was talking a couple days ago. I forgot after which game. And he said, like, you have to get used to the pressure of playing in L.A. Um, that's a real thing. And other players have talked about it. That's a real type of pressure and the lighting and the stage and the national games. I think it's more that the thing, though, with Torian and he fits into my some of bad process stuff, Anthony. I think when you're not shooting well, when you shoot tough shots, that just adds on to mm. it. And Torian shoots a lot of shots where, like, the pass is coming laterally, which means there's no advantage created like defense was not compromised at all and he's still shooting or he takes a ton of like pump fake step back threes where the defender recovers like torn you're over six there's no need to take <laughs> to take that one that one yeah. is is out of here um and there was a play last night too he got an and one out of it and i was screaming bad process i don't remember if you were you were on at that point but like they swung it to him wide open in the corner confidence shot right like was not going to take it drove in got an and one so you could tell his confidence starting to wane to your point um when mm-hmm. you start missing shots but i think it's more that the pressure but can we get one shooter that comes in and was like this is what i do and i'm malik beasley shooting like 42 percent on catch and shoot threes with milwaukee like it's just annoying to matt ryan is cooking for the pelicans like what i just i just don't understand it anthony one shooter please one one shooter let's have, let's let's really briefly improve the vibes here this is the look that raj was talking about from uh from 
I, it was right after game six. Uh, and, and this is how I was dressed. Yeah. Yes. Look at that. Yeah, that's <laughs> just straight sexy <laughs> wearing my daughter's <laughs> wearing my daughter's glasses, which clearly don't fit my face. I way too fat a face for those glasses, <laughs> tin foil necklace and a jacket that by the way, was super hot that like, like was actually really warm. So I was like sweating throughout that show, doing that show. It was also a high energy show. We're all pumped. Yes. I'd been right. drinking for that game <laughs> because it was a, a closeout playoff game and I can't do that sober um, or couldn't do that sober. So uh, yeah, that, that is, but that is how Raj expects me to, to, to dress every time the Lakers beat Dylan Brooks. And, you know, I, I gotta, I have to reserve that for, for actual, like, you know, bigger events, which by the way, we might get like Houston mm -hmm. looks like they are, they are Probably. potentially going to be a freaking playoff team. Um, they're probably going to take like Memphis's spot, maybe golden States. OKC looks like a freaking juggernaut to start the season mm -hmm. too. So the West, even though there are a couple teams that may have taken uh, steps back that we were hoping um, would, there have certainly been teams that happily stepped into those spots and, and the conference remains just absolutely insane. And you look over at the Eastern conference where like the Charlotte Hornets continue to exist. Um, <laughs> I, I want to talk though about, you know, the, the, you know, continue to hit on this Prince thing and, you know, with him shooting the way that he is, I actually, I compared it last night on the lowdown to a golf swing where, Sometimes, you know, you take a bit of a break and you don't get out there into a game. Um, you reset your habits in terms of the process, the process that leads, excuse me, to some of those shots. Um, you, you also can kind of focus on just the fundamentals of shooting. I've started to notice with him that uh, his footwork is not as consistent as, as it was when he was a little mm -hmm. bit more confident. Um, sometimes you, you start to rush things or you start to aim your shot, starting to see some of that too kind of creep into the fold. Um, so I do kind of think that like whenever Jerry Vanderbilt gets back, the Lakers are going to have to make a choice. They don't have enough minutes for all of these wings. And I really do think that it makes the most sense for uh, Rui, I think, to step into that to that starting group and Vanderbilt to to you know come off of the bench and Prince to just lose all of his minutes for a little bit. Oh, wow. Yeah, I see. I, I don't see that actually happening. Torian is just playing too much, and I think Darwin really likes him in that role. I think he played almost 30 minutes again last night, played a ton against um, in that win against Portland. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, not not really... saying, I'm not saying that, like, it will happen. That's oh, how okay. I would handle this. I, I, oh, I'm, okay. I'm, I think I'm mostly just fed up watching Torian Prince play. Like we're good here, which is, I'm, I'm, which is I'm, crazy. I'm just for a little bit, just go sit over there in the corner for a little bit and just chill. In preseason, in preseason, I think Torian was like Laker fan favorite. Like he was the yeah, most. I oh really like the signing. Still do. Yeah, but you know, I, yeah, he just he just hasn't played well. I think to me, Anthony, what like I'm surprised at is how much he just hunts threes, and that's all he does. Like in terms of like he's just specifically just a shot chucker. And I feel like he can get more shots kind of in the flow of the offense. Um, he can attack closeouts. We run a lot of stuff for him, which is strange. Like we run a lot of mid, like side pick and rolls for him and he's hit 80 on some bounce passes. Um, but yeah, you're right. There's going to be like a uh, rotational crunch that they're going to have to decide. I don't think Rui's going to start yet. I, I you know I, 
I wouldn't be mad if they went that route. I still think it's going to be Cam and Vando. I just don't think Cam has lost his offensive, his uh, starting spot. And I think they're going to come in and start Vando and see if that can work. Um, but yeah, I think Torian's best suited as a backup player. And I think I said this on like the lounge, like last week or something. I said, uh, I think Torian's a two on this team. Like, I think he's a hmm. shooting guard. I don't think he's a wing. Uh, he, he doesn't give you any of the defensive pluses that wings do. No. He's a terrible rebounder already for his position. He got four rebounds last night. If you go look at those rebounds, those are, you know, not really contested boards. He doesn't crash. He doesn't box out. He doesn't um, tag the roll man. Um, he doesn't help physically with LeBron and AD down, uh, down in the paint. So like you just get nothing of you, you get none of the pluses on defense. And then if he's not shooting well, if he's not, if he's just not scorching hot, you get, uh, you don't get any of the pluses either. So I'm, I'm with that. I, I think he should come off the bench. I think he's best suited in that role. I think he can play in that second unit, let Gabe or Austin kind of cook on the offense van and let him play out of that. I just think like we rely on his shooting so much with that starting group. And he also is being told like, go hunt your shot. And I think it's leading to bad process. I think in the five out system, um, he's finding that every shot is a good shot. And uh, like, again, you go one for 11 last night. And I thought a lot of those, Anthony, were just on the rewatch, especially. It's like, what are you? That's not that's not that's not an open look yeah. for you. Like the guy's in your face. Um, He's taking like those Clay Thompson contested shots. It's just uh, I, I don't I don't agree with it. So I'm interested to see what they do. But yeah, I definitely Wait, so that think was you Vando making the case for him to continue to start. No, I think he's <laughs> no. Like, I think I think okay. Vando's going to start. I think like, Vando's going to start for him. I don't think Rui's really starting. Is, yeah. I think they're going to come back with Vando. That's like, I, I don't think uh, Torian has done enough to win it, but I think Cam has done enough to keep his spot. And I think yeah. they're going to keep Austin off the bench as well. So I, I, I think they like staggering D'Lo and Austin. And that's worked out well. Mm -hmm. Austin closes, D'Lo starts kind of thing that, that they have going. Um, I think Cam has just been too good. Like it, his offensive game has been, has been there as well. It wasn't there last night, but he's getting shots in the flow of the offense. And Torian just has not played well. So I would, I would, I would expect Vando to come start for him. Do you disagree with that? You don't, you don't think Vando will start when he comes back? I'm nervous with that. I mean, on one hand, on one hand, right. I, you know, my, my initial reaction to that is what does that do for the spacing on the court? But sure. what we're starting to see also is that like teams and, you know, this is something that I was thinking about last night, just kind of wandering around the house. But I, I do kind of wonder with LeBron and, and, and AD, if the notion of like trying to pair them with shooting mm -hmm. is um, is ever going to be as productive as you kind of hope, right? Where like you'd have to have prime Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Ray Allen in that spot for the defense to not overshade still to LeBron and AD, you know? And even and then, them, <laughs> yeah, right. And even then you're like, they're, they're going to think, well, you know, we know that. And, and essentially, like, the, the math that these defenses are doing, right, is we know if we don't shade over to LeBron AD, they are going to get to the rim, and that is two points, right? Whereas, mm -hmm. like, if they do shade over there, even if it is Steph, Clay, Ray Allen, right, the, any of those guys, um, then they're thinking, well, maybe it'll be one of the 60% of the time that they miss yeah that three pointer. Right. And, and, you know, I think with, with what we're seeing with uh, the decision, as far as Vanderbilt or Prince, I don't think you would see that drastic a change in spacing between Torian Prince and Jared Vanderbilt. The only difference would be the likelihood, at least theoretically 
that Torian Prince knocks down some of those open shots. Problem is right now mm -hmm. that that chance that he knocks down those shots is purely theoretical. Right now it is not at all practical. It's not happening. So you do kind of, you know, even while my initial inclination is to say, well, it's definitely, you know, you, you can't swap out the team's best shooter for its worst and not think that it's going to impact the offense when the offense right now has been garbage. Anyway, you may as well, you know, get somebody out there who creates an extra possession or two or stops the other team from creating extra possessions for themselves and maybe try to, to flip the, the math back in that direction. That's why I, you know, I was saying maybe Rui makes some sense for that starting group because um, he is still a willing shooter. He, I do have, I have more confidence when I see Rui open than I, than when I see Torian Prince open. Um, it isn't necessarily the most comfortable thing for, for Rui to play next to LeBron and AD. I think he likes to have more space and more time on mm -hmm. the ball than he has when those guys are out there. So it wouldn't be exactly a, a perfect fit, but yeah, I I'm also just kind of nervous, you know, having Vanderbilt go from not playing at all, basically throughout the preseason um, to the and, and then, you know, to arrive at this point, he's played zero minutes a season. And then it, it essentially hope that he comes in and fixes an already ailing starting unit that, yeah, that makes me nervous a little bit. Yeah, no, I get that. I think the the two things that changed my kind of calculation for that, number one, Vando doesn't have to come in and have any offensive responsibility, right? He's not a shot creator. He doesn't have to come in and get in his get in his offensive rhythm. He, you know, he's a cutter. That's the way he gets his points. He gets his points in transition. Um, I was thinking, I think sometimes we play too slow. That's where I just Vando has so many possessions. Again, going down the Vando rabbit hole, like he gets us in transition. Like he's he's one of those guys that rebounds and pushes. So not only is he a great rebounder, but he also is like very comfortable pushing the basketball. And that's, that's something that they, you know, kind of implore him to do. They they really like push him to to push the basketball and get us out running. And number um and number two for him, oh, I forgot my second point with that. But like I I just think well, like for Vando, I think the second point potentially is what he can do in terms of activity off of the ball, right? He sets screens, he does DHO stuff. He like he is more involved. Whereas like Prince right now, it's basically stands in the corner or waits for a set to be called for him. Vanderbilt will create stuff for others out there on the court. And and he's a good screener too, right? And I think that's something yeah. the starting lineup misses as well. Anthony Davis is our main ball screen guy. And sometimes Anthony, like he just does not set picks. I don't know if he's being told that. Like, so he, he kind of conserves his body, but like he'll do a lot of screens where he gets no contact. But my second point that I remembered was LeBron's jump shooting changes all of this. To mm -hmm. me. Like if LeBron's a legit jump shooter, you can put in another non-shooter, right? The the issue previously was that LeBron and AD were both not shooters, right? They were both guys that you just didn't have to guard from the outside. And from then, that's where Vando's kind of limitations really come to the forefront. But when you have LeBron who's shooting this way, and our jump shots that we're getting, like D'Lo's getting his threes off of ball screens, that doesn't really get impacted too much by Vando's guy when they throw him into the opposite corner. LeBron also is getting a lot of his threes from the top of the key. I think he's shooting like 41% on top of the three keys. He's taking five a game. That's a legit, like his jump shot is legit this season. It's not just a phase, in my opinion, although the season is early. Like I, I think his jump shot legit looks good. The arc on it is nice. Like his footwork looks good on it. Um, That it looks better than it has in the previous years. But LeBron's jumper being there just changes it to me where you can throw Vando and Cam on the floor and have your offense still, still survive. 
Um, all right. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about D'Angelo Russell and some of what's going on there with him. It's a lot of small sample size theater, but I do think it leads to a very interesting conversation. Uh, but before we do that, uh, again, the show is brought to you by Sleeper. Use that promo code LA Lounge to get a hundred dollar up to a hundred dollars in a deposit match when you sign up uh, on the Sleeper app. You can follow me on there also at Anthony Irwin LA. Uh, Sleeper is a fantasy sports and real money gaming app focused on bringing people together through sports and gaming. Sleeper has become the fastest organically growing fantasy platform in the world with over 5 million active users in 2022 while earning some of the highest levels of engagement per user in the industry. At Sleeper, it's not just about sports. It's about building personal connections and lasting memories. Sleeper Picks is our real money product that connects friends over picks. Choose two to eight of your favorite players from pregame, live, or even across different sports. Pick more or less than the predicted stats. On Sleeper, you can get up to a uh, hundred times uh, some payouts, depending on which stats that you combine with each other. Um, share with your friends and get rewarded together. Um, I again like going on there. I have actually started. You know, I, I, I'm in like a long-term fantasy league with uh, some of my friends. Um, shouts to Kelsey getting a touchdown tonight, despite Taylor Swift not attending the game. That was a nice little bonus for me tonight. Um, but but for you know what I have enjoyed doing there is that like some of the guys that are in that league, their season's already over. They sucked at the draft. They haven't paid enough attention to the white to the waiver. Their seasons are over. But this allows them to get back involved in the fantasy football season, and they have done so on the Sleeper app. And they use that promo code LA Lounge. And got uh, they all you know deposited a hundred bucks and got a free hundred bucks uh, to be able to use however they so please. So again, Sleeper is the place to do that. Follow me on there at Anthony or in LA. Use that promo code LA Lounge. Terms and conditions apply. All right, uh, D'Angelo Russell. Uh, I found this tweet or this combination of tweets hilarious today, where. Um, Obviously, Darius Soriano wrote for Silver Screen and Roll about uh, D'Angelo Russell. And uh, Harrison pulled out a stat from that saying um, only LeBron at plus 18.2 has a higher on or off rating, offensive rating differential than uh, Russell's plus 14.5 mark this season. Um, not uh, like objectively correct information, right? Sure. Uh, literally a couple seconds later, after I noticed that, I saw <laughs> uh, Matt Moore, uh, hardwood paroxysm on there, say the Lakers are a minus 3.3 in overall net rating with D'Angelo Russell on the floor. Um, and the defense in particular is 13 points worse with him out there. Um, we knew that Russell isn't the defensive player that, you know, you kind of need to be to be a starter on, on a playoff caliber team. Uh, I do think he started the season trying harder on that side, but I do think some of those old habits have crept back in. We've seen a little bit of a uh, reverting to who he kind of natural is, right? That honeymoon period has ended in that, in that analogy that we have used um, pretty often this season. But that said, the offense, you know, I, I have really liked what Russell has looked like, especially since they split him and Austin Reeves up. And, you yeah. know, for both of those players, they have looked significantly better, more confident on, on the court. 
um, while they haven't been playing together. My thing there, though, is you know Austin is going to be a part of those lineups closing the game. He has been, right? Um, yep. In most of the games since they've split them up, Russell makes his way to the bench. Austin comes in to close out the game. And, like, say what you will about progress that Russell has made and say what you will about the 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 story of him coming back to L.A. and kind of redeeming himself for how that first tenure went and how things ended there. Cool story and all of that stuff. But I don't think it's a very good allocation of resources to have somebody making as much of the cap as he is sitting night out, night in, night out whenever Austin comes back into the game. And, and that's why, like, I think eventually it makes a lot of sense to trade him for somebody who can play in those minutes. But Raj, even even like we can get to that point eventually. You are more yes. basketball focused than 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 that stuff. And I, I love you for it because you are like endlessly devoted, dogmatically devoted to. Yes. But the basketball, the basketball. Can we just watch the basketball? Right. That's why all it's access November. Lakers, please. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all access Lakers is like the perfect platform for you because like the whole time that we're on there, the, the game is actually on. Exactly. And you can't like you can't be on the trade machine while while um, that is going on. But like, what have you what have you seen? Obviously, I presented you the two ends of the spectrum there. Right. Sure. If you want to pay more attention to the offensive numbers, you can. If you want to pay more attention to the defensive numbers, you can. At this stage of the season, most stats are at that point where you can basically tell whatever story you want and use stats sure. at, to to bolster your argument. So I really don't like right now. It's almost purely eye test for me. But where do you stand on Russell to this point in the season? I feel like you had the trade machine open while we were on playback. Like I feel like that that tab was still open on your page. You know, you were throwing like Tori and Prince in there. Um, and I love how you were, you know I knew that story was not coming to a good end when you were like, yeah, D'Lo comes back. It's a great story, but you should probably. Well, trade him. I, you, you, you saw the butt coming. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a Sir Mix a Lot song. It was like. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just knew a butt was gonna make an appearance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just I just knew that that wasn't gonna end well. Delo's <laughs> another Delo's another like just super polarizing player, right? Like again, he's another guy that will tell you, like you can look for what you want for with him, right? Like he's either this soft guard that's never going to play well, all the shooting's fake, terrible defense, terrible defender, or he's one of the most skillful passing guards that we have in the league who has who's who has a bunch of talents on the offensive end. I think there's somewhere in the middle for him. The defensive concerns to me are there. And, and you know, you said that Austin's always going to close. It's interesting because, again, I bring this back, Anthony. Gabe Vincent is on this team. Like, and I don't, like, I don't think Gabe Vincent was brought in just to play backup, backup point guard. I think he's also a guy that they think can close games. Austin has closed most of them. I agree. I also think Austin's fit with LeBron and AD is just better in terms of when LeBron yeah. has the basketball. Delo's more of an on-ball guard, and that's shown out in with the starters. I'd love to know those kind of numbers when we switched Cam to the starting lineup, which was about a week ago, I believe, or a week and a half ago, um, right after the Houston game, ironically. Um, I'd love to know like what those are. But like that Austin and Delo lineup really killed a lot of the defensive numbers. Like those two were terrible defensively and that's it's not just because they're small they're also like they weren't physical and they weren't giving the proper effort to me on that end and i love last night was one of the first time i saw lebron really yell at both austin and delo i think delo just gave up a easy like basket i believe to dylan brooks and lebron went and like 
screamed at him like to guard him. And I think Austin had a similar um, issue as well. And but I think Delos played great. Like he's a uh, he's shooting forty six percent on catch and shoot threes. He was shooting like fifty percent from three for a good stretch. His playmaking has been really good. He just came off a stretch, I believe, where he had like twenty eight assists and two turnovers. Just awesome taking care of the basketball and with those starters i think it's really put him into a role where he knows and that stretch I have by the, the way commenced almost exactly when they split him and austin up exactly and i think it's a nice like uh role definition of role for both of them where austin doesn't have to worry about being the playmaker with the starters am i supposed to get ad the ball am i supposed to get lebron the ball like or am i supposed to like uh, defer to d'lo and d'lo as well right i don't have to defer to austin i know that it's my you know i get to run the offense at least in the first quarter i'm running every pick and roll i'm running every action it's coming through me i'm coming off screens i can fire i can shoot i can attack switches some of the switch attackings out of the attacking on the switches I disagree with, but that's part of the process of our offense. Um, I, I think both are true. Like he's not a good defensive guard. The goal, right, Anthony, was to be Derek White. Hasn't been Derek White on defense. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also like a better on ball yeah. scoring guard than Derek White. Like he has more offensive skills mm-hmm. than Derek White. Like that's not I mean, that's a good goal to like, you know, strive for, but like he's a he, that's not his role on this team. And I think his role is being defined more and more as they've staggered him in Austin. So I think he's been fine. He's been good. You mentioned the contract. I mean, for this year, kind of, I, I, I'm I'm not upset at that. Like, if he's not going to close games, it is it is what it is. I think Austin's just a better fit. He's a better screener. He's a better, like, short roll kind of passer. Delo's not really that type of guard. He's more on ball, kind of being the one that kicks it to the big. He doesn't really like being that screener action, and he can, he can play off the ball. But I love the way that they have it right now. I'm just fascinated when Gabe comes back, how he – enters into this equation because I think he's also a guy that Darwin trusts to close games as we saw in Sacramento, right? He closed with Gabe to guard De'Aaron Fox. We lost that mm-hmm. game, but like he's, he was a, uh, that's a guy that he trusted to, to play down the stretch. Not a so single person was thrilled that Gabe was out there for those minutes. Nobody, no. not even Gabe. No. Honestly, Gabe, Gabe like looked at like, you sure? Are you like, Gabe, I don't even, I like even Gabe's own family was like, I, I think you're better off with Austin. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um but but yeah i oh man i i'm i'm gonna be frank um bogle or we yeah we are reaching <laughs> the the point here with gay vincent that um i am not going to take him into account with the rotation until i see him out there on the court again like the the um the kind of injury that he's dealing with right now like you were you were there on on all access lakers when i just kind of had jen next to me um, and I'll mm-hmm. again relay that information. Essentially, what he's dealing with is swelling of the bone, um, you know, and and uh, it's I think it's called a fusion. He has like right. you know a, 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 an, an effusion, and and like it's a it's a contusion that was so bad that it swelled up the bone. And so even once that swelling goes down, you then have to wait for the contusion to go away, which it's it which is its own process. And then eventually you have to like, you know, the issue with, you know, any kind of injury in the lower body, that it's really hard to, to maintain your cardio there. So I think we're, we're still quite a ways away, I think, from seeing Cape Vincent again. And um, I don't know, like, you know, you look at what the Lakers have done, really relying on their wings and just basically mm-hmm. relying on two guards and a shit ton of wings. That's like the 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 identity that I've wanted my entire life anyway. So like, yeah, I'm not I'm not losing a bunch of sleep over not watching Gabe Vincent make one three pointer over the first like ten games of his Lakers yeah. career. Have you ever been to Miami, Anthony? Or no? 
No, I, I would really like to go, but yeah, it's, it's 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 on my bucket list. My bucket list really is NBA cities. So like, if they have basketball in them, then not like... just cities. <laughs> you like win a trip to Hawaii? Nah, I'm good. I'm set. <laughs> hey, they have training camps there all the time. Like training camp is is in Hawaii. I've actually been to, been to Hawaii, but is there something like on the flight back from Miami to LA? Like this is now Kendrick Nunn. Gabe Vincent, I'm not. I'm not sure what's going on with the injuries. With no, him. but yeah, Pat he Riley start- actually beats the shit out of players as soon as they decide to leave. Like he just like breaks some kneecaps and then says, "All right, good luck, Kendrick, <laughs> Gabriel." But, but they, but they, like I don't know. I'm joking there, but like they, they invested I'm into not. Gabe Vincent. Okay. <laughs> 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 oh man, uh, but they, they. <laughs> They invested in the Gabe Vincent, you know what I mean? Like, they, this is not a one-year deal for him. They didn't give him the Torian Prince biannual exception or, you know, or any veteran minimum. He has a three-year deal with the Lakers. Like, that's a legit kind of uh, investment in the game. And I think he's the best defender out of D'Lo and Austin, right? I think that's where he can kind of oh, come for in. Sure. He's, the better, he's the better point of attack defender. And he's not going to shoot 7% from three, like, from for the season. Like, that's just <laughs> that's just on 14 attempts, he's one for 14 from three. Like, that. that's just – that's Im- that's impossible. That would be extremely impressive if he shot that. He's, he's too good a shooter. He's another guy where the process to me didn't really match like what the results are telling you. Sometimes like let success be your guide just a little bit. Like he takes a lot of step back, tough shots. Um, so but I do think like I do think he's gonna be part of the con- conversation in terms of who closes. Maybe not over Austin, but I could see him closing with both of those guys together, which I'm sure makes you excited uh, to have two small guards closing in, in lineups. But yeah, I think, I think, he, yeah, I think he's going to be a part of that conversation too with, with d And the whole point of this, Anthony was to have three guards where at least two of them are hot every night, right? Like that's the whole point of this. Gabe is a streaky shooter. Austin was supposed to be a little bit more consistent. d can be streaky at times as well. The point of this team to be the amount of offensive firepower that they were leaning on was at least two of them be hot on any given night. And this team has had like no one hot on every given night. Like we just haven't had shooting at all. Um, but I think that's where Gabe also co- comes into this. And it'll be interesting to see what, see what Darwin does. I know I I'm sorry, Raj. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about Zach Levine really quickly, but um, the only reason I'm interested in Zach Levine is that between Reeves and between D'Angelo Russell and between uh, Gabe Vincent, the Lakers don't really have a guard who can pierce the defense on his own. Like all three of those guys, uh, Gabe, like even when he, like it really kind of surprised me how little shift he had to his game and how little wiggle he had to his game um, when when I watched him earlier this uh, you know preseason and, and into the regular season. Maybe it was like the the beginnings of that injury, and we just never really saw him at 100. Like may, that's honestly the hope. Like, <laughs> I'm hoping that he was dealing, he was playing with the swollen whatever bone. Um, yeah, but I, I I that to me, and I do think it would be an over adjustment like using the amount of resources it would take to get zach levine would be like devoting too many resources to get somebody who can pierce the defense and even when he does pierce a defense he's not the kind of guy who like gets into the middle of the you know gets into the teeth of the of the defense and then kicks it out right anytime he's piercing the defense it's to get to the rim it's to get to his own shot or whatever He's 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 a shooting guard in a point guard's body. Um, but I, you know, 
when I when I think about the three type of guards that the Lakers currently have, it's a lot of duplication offensively and frankly oh, yeah. defensively. And and I would like to, you know, it, it whenever a trade happens, whenever it is that that Russell or Gabe or whoever because uh, like we look you almost never see a team finish a season with the same team that it started the season. Like that just doesn't happen. We also know that Rob Polinka likes to do stuff around the trade deadline as well. Um, so whenever a move happens, whoever it is that gets acquired, I would like that guard to be able to, to break down a defense and, and on, on his own. I think the Lakers really missed that from Schroeder, even though like there's some stuff he yeah. took off of the table. Um, while he added that to it. So, so yeah, I, I, you know, with, with talking about D'Angelo Russell and talking about Austin Reeves, um, part of the reason that, that those guys can't play together. And like, this is like, you know, I would say once a show and I, anytime I talk about Russell or any type, uh, anytime I talk about Reeves, I get a comment like this from blue, ben, blue magic, right? D'Angelo and Reeves should not share minutes together. Well, they have to, because otherwise, those guys are playing four, 24 minutes each, and that's not enough for either of those guys. Um, and so, like, eventually they are going to overlap. And the problem offensively with them overlapping is that neither guy can break down the defense and create for the other guy without the help of a screen. Now, you're almost always going to utilize a screen or a dribble handoff or something like that anyway. Like, it's, you know, you, it, it, this isn't the 90s anymore where they would give the ball to, you know, whatever guard you want to, you want to say and go one, four flat and let that guard just break down. Whoever it is was, was unlucky enough to guard them then. Right. You don't see that really anymore, but there are aspects of, of offenses that do get more dynamic when you have that kind of a presence. And that, that to me, I knew that D'Angelo Russell wasn't going to be a great defender all year. I knew that, um, you know, some of the fit with Austin might get clunky at times, but to me, the thing that, that I, I keep watching over and over and over again, and it drives shove crazy, right? Whenever we, 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 we get on all access Lakers yeah. is how like everything that D'Angelo Russell does is predicated on getting his, you know, getting a defender on his hip and kind mm -hmm. of in jail, you know, yeah. Um, you know, working with that defender in, in jail and 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 breaking down the defense that way and and you know it's really hard to do much creation for others if that's the way that you're going about it yeah yeah and, and I, I don't agree with blue blue magic i i think they can share the minutes together we beat we kicked two teams out of the playoffs that we start with that starting mm -hmm. backcourt that was the backcourt that could golden state that was the backcourt that could well, what's changed why, why why did it not they work at the beginning of the season compared to those playoffs series? Because, be, because they can't play next to torian prince like they, okay. they can't they can't play next to a, a non uh defensive threat as well, right? And we're using Torian as our point of attack defender where Torian was on. If you remember opening night, Anthony, we throw we threw Torian on Jamal Murray. Who do we think Torian Prince is? I'm not sure, but like that's not like to me, that's not his defensive role. But that's what we were doing. He was our point of attack, he was the Vando replacement, right? He's just not Vanderbilt in any sense of the of of how Vanderbilt plays. And I think that's to me the difference. I think those two can play together. I also think Austin's jump is baked into this team. Like his leap in terms of what he becomes as a third-year guy, and we're seeing the bumps in 
you know, the bumps in the road of that in terms of what they're trying to make him become is this like guy who can punish switches, right? So last night, Houston's a team that switches a ton. And I, you know, predicted, you know, on Twitter that D'Angelo Russell would struggle because he struggles against teams that can switch, right? And have big switchy defenders. And that's what Houston does. Tari Eason, Dylan Brooks, all those dudes are really good. Fred Van Fleet even is a guy who can really get into you. And I thought D I thought D'Lo would struggle. Now that Austin has a little bit better of a chance at that. And you saw him have some crossover step back jumpers on Jeff Green. He turned he hit a bunch of like really long threes as well. I think that's all baked into this. But I think those two can, you know, play with each other um and and be successful if you have the right, you know, defensive guys around it. We we started this pod by talking about the Vando, Cam Reddish, Anthony Davis combo. And those are three guys that can really um uh, protect small guards. And that's where like Dilo and Austin can cook offensively and it's harder to kind of you know attack them um on the other end. Really quickly, Anthony on Zach Levine, the reason why it annoys me, first of all, it's November 20th. These guys can't even be traded We're not until even December. Not even, the team is winning. We're eight and six. We're two games above 500. We haven't been two games. We weren't two games above 500 until April 2nd of this year. Um, so that's how long it took for us to get, get to that mark. And then it goes against everything. Like this whole summer, what do we hear? Or after we traded Russell Westbrook, it was, depth, it, was it was pre-agency, right? And and Rob Palinka went on every place, every show, doing summer league courtside uh, interviews saying how like we're you know we believe in this team continuity and you ship everyone for zach levine it goes against everything you said let me let me let me enjoy it let me see this team once please before we ship everyone off to the to chicago um and into the cold weather of chicago so hopefully uh hopefully we get to see this team and we will obviously because they can't trade anyone it's just zach levine's really good he's just i'm not you know selling this team off for zach levine yet yeah, I, I'm I'm mostly with you. I'm you know I think I think at this stage of the season, um, you know, there's a lot of clicks that can be gotten by connecting sure, the sure. Lakers to Zach Levine. So I think that's part of just kind of the the content economy as it as it exists. Um, I also think though, like with D'Angelo Russell talking about him, does like offer a perfect segue into the last kind of topic that I wanted to hit on here. That being like process versus results and what the mm. Lakers have done to this point um, in creating, creating some of these looks. And, you know, I think they are, they are, I think the worst shooting team in the NBA from deep. Um, I, and if not, they are close. And a lot of those looks, uh, you know, are of like the open variety and, you know, to an extent, you're saying, well, if you're creating open three pointers, especially from the corners, then the offense is kind of doing what it should be doing. Um, the thing is, though, like eventually and we've all played pickup, if you're open often enough, eventually and, and you and you miss often enough, your teammates start asking you, why do you think you're open? You know? So like the, the 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 process that the Lakers have been utilizing to this point has been to get these open looks, but if a defense is also saying it is also, you know, undergoing a similar process in allowing so many of those open looks, then you know is it actually good process? So, Raj, I'm going to ask you like, do you think you know I I I do think we are nearing the point where five out is just here to stay if we haven't passed it already because. At that point, like you're scrapping an offensive system, you'd have to implement a brand new one. There's no guarantee that the brand new one would work any better than five out has to this point. 
Um, because no matter what system that you implement, if you aren't making your wide open three pointers, you yeah. could run the triangle, you could run four corners, you could run Princeton, you could run amoeba ball. It doesn't matter if you aren't making your wide open shots, then you're just not, you're not going to score. So, um, what do you think of the Lakers process to this point? It's funny. You said Princeton. I remember when Mike Brown came and he tried to run the Princeton offense for like five games. And then he got and he got he got let go. And I remember yeah. Kenny Smith on Kenny Smith on the halftime show was like, "Why don't you run the Duke offense? Or they're the ones who win like every single year." Why? <laughs> Hilarious though that like now like every team runs at least aspects of the yeah. Princeton offense. Like, exactly. Yeah. Mike Brown actually wound up being kind of ahead uh, ahead of the curve when he tried to implement that. Yeah, but then he went to go. And then State I remember. Like, and then I remember um, Bill Simmons trying to uh, place the blame on Kobe for the Lakers running the, the, the Princeton. He said like, Oh, I have sources that it was actually Kobe's idea to run the Princeton and all that stuff. I'm like, I somehow, I don't think Kobe would want to go, go away from the triangle <laughs> offense that won him five rings to that point. That's just me. I call me crazy, yeah. but I don't think that was something that Kobe was pushing for. Yeah. Kobe anyway. was not trying to post post Dwight Howard near the free throw line every single yeah. time. <laughs> but... <laughs> Probably not. I don't think that was a Kobe idea. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't think so either. Kobe finished um, that season and said, I'm going to teach you how to win. And it isn't fucking that. Like, <laughs> Oh, man, what a what a year that was. Um, uh, no, I think, you know, so I think the five out stuff is interesting because the five out really is predicated so our guards can get off jump shots, right? And it's worked here and there. And I think it works when AD is like a really dominant screening role guy. But it's too much, Anthony, I think. We are getting good looks out of it, and Torian's obviously not hitting anything. He's not hitting his open looks. Austin is starting to pick up. Um, other guys are starting to get it going. But it's a little too much. Like, it looks like Harden ball sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, it looks a lot of, like, where it's Austin or D'Lo punishing their matchup. And I thought last night was one of our better process games. And obviously, Houston has a pretty glaring, like, defensive hole in terms of Anthony Davis as a matchup. But I feel like we just forget him sometimes. Like, we forget that, yeah, sometimes you don't need to run anything. We had a possession. We were on playback, I believe, when, when we were doing this. But, like, we fed Anthony Davis five straight times in the post. And he got a basket, basket, foul. And then Singoon, you know, complained about it. They brought in, um, I forgot what the backup's name is, uh, Jock Landell, who came in. And, Anthony, again, straight, no plays here. We're going straight to Anthony Davis on the left block. And he's going to score or draw two. And I think that's stuff that we can kind of integrate in our offense a little bit more. I think the five-out stuff is really messing with kind of the attacks and the gaps that you can attack. And I think that's where Austin is really struggling. Um, and we've kind of started to implement back some four out, you know, stuff in, but you're right. We're just not hitting shots. I do think some of the process is questionable to me. Like a lot of the, la like not every open shot is the same shot, right? Anthony, we've all played like sometimes the, the shots where the, like it's why in a zone, right? Like when, when teams play a zone defense and you get open threes out of that, the rhythm of that three is just different than a driving kick three. The energy on yeah. that and the pass off of that is different. And a lot of our shots, we kind of like zone ourselves out, if that makes sense. Like yeah. we're, we're, our offense kind of, we just zone ourselves. We're like our threes are coming from a lot of lateral passes, no real advantage created. And those are the shots that are being taken. And I think the rhythm on those are just different. Uh, the five out teams that are super successful have bigs that are high level playmakers, right? And they play out of their centers. Um, and we're doing it out of our guards, and it's just a different look, mm -hmm. especially when our guards give no rim pressure. You brought it, you brought up that point. Our rim pressure is AD and LeBron, and they should have such a 
grab such a rim gravity that it opens up your shooting you know automatically but we're trying to open up with screening and it's working here and there and i think it's a bet on austin becoming this one-on-one scorer whether you believe that's going to come or not that's the bet they're making and that's the turnovers that he's getting that's the uh that's all the isolation baskets that they're kind of telling him to go get um and we'll see if it works out in terms of if they're able to bear fruit from that but we're getting open looks i think if torian shoots better if we shoot open shots that houston game is probably not as close i just I would like to mix in a little bit more post-ups, a little more post-action. And late-game stuff, Anthony, is still bread and butter. It's none of this. Um, it's LeBron with the ball with Austin screening for him and get out of the damn way. I'm, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm either attacking or I'm scoring out of that. So our late-game stuff is still very standard, you know, regular offense. But through the game, yeah, this five-out stuff, I thought, is, has really complicated things um, with our offense so far. Yeah, I, I think – you know, for all the talk of continuity, it kind of go like the continuity kind of goes out the window when you mm-hmm. try to implement a brand new system anyway. Right. Like that's what I didn't uh. quite understand in terms of like the approach to the season was like, all right, we are so thrilled to bring back this core that went to the Western conference finals, but we are all starting from page one, baby. Like, wait, what? Yeah. Hold on. That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't, uh, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. And then the, the other thing too is, um, the Lakers have a bunch of guys, right? Like you've talked about Torian Prince. He hunts jumpers. D'Angelo mm-hmm. Russell is one of the most confident p- people that has ever played in the NBA. That dude, like he steps onto the court and he's like, I'm open. I'm good. Um, yeah. Reeves uh, is, is, is a willing shooter, right? Rui is a willing shooter. Um, even Cam, I, you know, is, uh, you know, at times a little too willing to let it fly. And, you know, when you go to five out and you have all these guys who are standing there in these spots that are kind of inherently less covered than they would be if, say, one of them was in a dunker spot or if one of them was at the elbow or something like that. Not that any of those guys would be operating from the elbow. But my point here being that, like, you have a bunch of guys standing in spots where they feel confident and comfortable shooting when they maybe shouldn't be right. That's the point that Rome makes a lot on all access Lakers. It's like, there has to be, um, there has to be, uh, you know, kind of stricter guidelines to who gets to shoot when. And the problem there though, if you're trying to implement that is now you start passing up on open threes, which can also damn an offense right in a 24 second shot clock. So like, I don't know. I, I, I was, I understood kind of why they went to the five out system. Um, yeah. I have been happy in like kind of paying attention to some of the stats that are coming out about some of the st- sets that they're running. And then you kind of watch back and like, okay, this is a little bit more of what I'm comfortable with. But, mm-hmm. um, and, and so like, I, I don't think they were ever going to like straight up scrap five out. I think there are aspects of it that do make some sense for sure. this team. Um, especially if they do go out and get somebody who can pierce that five out shell that you basically create, right? Like whatever, whatever it is that you do, when you go five out, you're trying to, you know, create these gaps. Problem is like Reeves isn't the kind of athlete who, who dribbles into those gaps. Russell, like we've talked about, isn't either. The only guy who really is, is LeBron. And even when, when he does it, it's more of like, bludgeoning the shell than it is yeah. like piercing the shell right like he just mm-hmm. I, I was watching I was watching um some of the game last night and specifically the possessions against Dylan Brooks 
because poor Brooks, man, was body shot after body shot after body yeah. shot. LeBron was just beating the shit out of him on offense. Um, and and that's kind of like what LeBron does to apply pressure on the rim. So if the Lakers can, through whatever acquisition or whatever, find somebody who can like slice into the the, the teeth of the defense, that's when I think you'll see you know the, the five out look a little bit more dynamic. Yeah, and I, look, I think not to. I think we've kind of attacked him a lot this show, but like not to bring him up. But like Torian was a huge piece of this, right? Like the whole mm-hmm. one of the big reasons we went five out is because like, oh, we have a small forward that can now shoot that we can put next to yeah. LeBron, right? And that was the whole point of why I believe, and I don't think Darwin like changed his offense for Torian Prince. That'd be absurd and you know insane. But like I do think like Torian was a big kind of fill here along with um, Gabe Vincent as well. The guy I think that I think is like most hurt by this is like is a name I don't think people will bring up here but like I think Christian Wood is hurt a lot by this. Christian yeah. Wood is just stuck in the corner or the wing waiting mm-hmm. for the ball to come to him and I still can't decide if he's a good shooter or not. Every shot looks like it has three steps to it. There's a part yeah. 1, part 2, part 3, part yeah, 4 like, is like when it's in the air. The shot is like made by IKEA. It's like all these like <laughs> his his shot form comes with an instruction manual like it's the weirdest thing and then when he releases it this is the thing like you and i we we have played enough basketball in our life yeah to be able to like note all right you know shot goes off somebody's hand you can kind of tell tell. even if it's on tv Mm -hmm. right oh that's long that's short that's off it's this when when wood shoots it i'm like no idea (laughs) i am he's shooting a curveball i don't know what like I don't know if they're opening doors every time he shoots it. And there's like a draft that comes in that moves. this. I have no idea. And it either goes in or it's an air ball with like nothing in between. (laughs) Exactly. It either swishes or it's air ball or it's like way hard off the rim. And Christian Wood also holds his follow through. So it looks good every time, you know, but like the ball will go go past the rim by like three feet. Um, So, yeah. And like also his, if you look at him, try to attack the rim, Anthony. So like he's attacking these two guys who are already there. Right. So there's no one at, there's no one at the rim, so there's really no kind of vertical spacer there. So when Christian Wood attacks closeouts, te- players pretty much a, like close out short to him, and it's like the most like wildest drive. Like he'll like drive Euro from outside the free throw line and then try to get contact. <laughs> and I just, I think like Christian Wood is an like what he's really good at is he's a really good switch beater. Like he's a guy that can really. Yeah attack you in the post you'll see him do a lot of spin moves and like he's able to spin off a guy and get dunks and i think we've lost a lot of that by just like we're also playing him next to jackson hayes which kind of forces him to space as well i don't know how people feel about that but like i just think like we've lost kind of the christian wood off the bench bucket getter stuff that he can really do that he's really skilled at and we've kind of just been like yeah just stand in the corner for you know and, and credit to him, he's still rebounding. Like, I think he's still trying on defense. He's not good, but he's at least having effort. But to me, that's where the five out, who the five out has really hurt is Christian Wood, who just looks like he has no idea what his offensive role is um, on the team. So I think I think that's another guy where we can really kind of mix in some, some stuff, I believe, to, like, get him a little bit more effective in his minutes because I think he has a real – like, his real skill skills that, that we can use. Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about – Vanderbilt taking Prince's minutes, but I think he's going to wind up taking all of Jackson Hayes's minutes. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think Jackson yeah. Hayes is going to play um, very much anymore. And, and, you know, that would at least theoretically allow 
wood to go out and set a screen on the perimeter, you know, and not have to be the mm -hmm. spacing on the screen whenever that takes place. And that might get him those mismatches or whatever. But um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, this has been fun. Uh, again, you can check out Raj and me on All Access Lakers where we watch these games. I'm there every weeknight. Raj is there just about every every game um, as well. And then, you know, for those who watch those, uh, by the way, go out, make a make an accountant, uh, make an account, make an accountant. I'm pretty sure Jen and I did make an accountant. He looks like a CPA. A Miles like looks like a tiny little, <laughs> like he has like a, a pocket protector um, already. He was born with one. Um, nice. But make an accountant. Again, I did it again. Make an account on the playback app, playback.tv slash all access Lakers. Um, hop on there, watch games with us, comment, come up on stage if you want. Um, and then right after games, you can hop on here and whether it's me and Raj, me and Shub, whoever will be doing, you know, the post games here in the lounge as well. But uh, Raj, thank you very much for hopping on. It's always a blast. We didn't get enough movie yep. references in here. This was this was very basketball heavy. Well, last thing, LeBron said like he didn't come here to make movies, right? <laughs> he has you. the only he has the only <laughs> movies I've seen. So like, <laughs> so I've seen your movies, LeBron. <laughs> LeBron's like, I thought I came here just to make movies, and Raj is like, I thought I came on this podcast just to talk basketball. Like, I don't know why why I have to keep on talking about movies that I haven't seen. I love it. I love it. Well, thank you very much, Raj. It's always a, always a blast to talk basketball with you. And uh, I, I'll talk to you tomorrow on All Access Lakers when the Lakers take on the Utah Jazz. Oof, man. I have a bad feeling about that one. I have a oh, weird man. feeling about I have a weird feeling that they'll play down and play with their money, play with their food a little bit because they've been on this like they've been playing either teams that you know, they can beat the crap out of, right? The Blazers, right? They played them a couple times. Or it's been, like, really effing good teams that, like, play the Lakers tough, too. So, like, this is the first time I feel like the Lakers can exhale. And and this is a team and a culture and an organization that really likes to exhale. Like, well, really you, likes to you almost, like, What's up? I uh, say so you, you almost said play with your money, which is kind, which is true. This is an in-season tournament game as well. So this oh, is yeah, a, true. Yeah, maybe they'll try. Yeah, they, they really like this in-season tournament. The NBA has done a really good job of like, I feel like there was a, a really loud memo in all caps. Do not, don't you dare say anything <laughs> even remotely negative about this thing. Don't you dare. Like I feel like, like John Morant could make another you know, movie that, that, you know, go on IG live that got him suspended this time. And Adam Silver would like overlook that. If he said, by the way, check out the in season tournament tonight as the Lakers take on the Utah jazz and he wouldn't get suspended for it. Like that's how much the league cares about this tournament. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Right. <laughs> on that note, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, Harrison and I are going to do a show before the game and then I will be live afterwards. So until then, and until next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying, have a great rest of your day, make somebody else's and we will talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> ja, don't go on IG live. Ja, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs>